Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. Today, I'm joined by Zach Lacey and Lil Mike. Fellas, how are we doing on this lovely... Uh, it's Tuesday, right? Tuesday. It's Tuesday, yeah. Wonderful to be back. College football's back. Football in general's back. Can't wait. Woo! Best time of year. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, in, in the spirit of, you know, the Mac coming back, we're doing a college football podcast on a Tuesday, you know, a little, little Maction in here. But, uh, yeah, you know, happy to be back. Happy to be talking some college ball. Fendi. So, as you heard from the boys, we are talking college football preview. We are going to go through the Power Five conferences, give you a little snippet preview of what to expect in each of those leagues. We might dabble with some teams in the group of five, get our thoughts if any of them are true contenders this year. And then we'll wrap up with who will be in the college football playoff when all is said and done, whom will be on just the outside looking in, who might be that dark horse team that comes out of nowhere or from the bottom of the initial rankings to potentially sneak in. We'll give our our Heisman thoughts, maybe a bold prediction or two, but we will kick things off with what I feel like is the biggest story in college football, and it kind of has been for the past, I would say, year, year and a half, and that would be conference realignment. So we'll talk about just the current state of college football because conference realignment over the next two to three years as well as what the NIL name, image, and likeness, what those things are going to do is they're really just going to cause major changes to not only college football, but the college football playoff, the whole sport across the board. In terms of conference realignment, we've got 22 FBS level schools that are either changing leagues or joining an FBS league in within the next three years. And another 20, at the FCS level, doing the same thing. That's 42 schools changing leagues in three years. That just feels like a stupid number of schools flip-flopping leagues. And it all really kicked off with the announcement last summer of Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC in 2025. Then this summer, we get the bombshell USC, UCLA leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten in 2024. So there's a lot of dominoes that have fallen and probably more dominoes that will continue to fall because conference realignment, I feel like, is far from over. So let me just kind of let you guys give your thoughts on the current state of college football. Zach, start us off. I mean, just first of all, it's going to be great to see Texas get into the SEC and just get (laughs) demolished year after year and have coach just be miserable. So I'm very happy they decided to make the worst decision in program history and do that. Um, But it's just nuts, man. Everybody's jumping ship. I mean, UCLA and USC going to the, the big, what? Like in the bigs, like the middle of the country and they're, I don't know. The Pac-12 is just absolutely dead. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they just folded at some point and all those other teams 
moved to a diff different conferences. Um, it's just, it, it's like the transfer portal, but on steroids. Absolutely <laughs> nuts. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the Pac-12 and potentially folding because I kind of thought that way about the Big 12 when the Oklahoma and Texas news came out. I'm like, well, what are they going to do? They're the Big 12 with only 10 teams, but now they're going to have eight teams. What are they? What are they going to do? Go back to like the Big, the eight? big eight? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's the same thing with like the Pac-12. They're going to be, what are they going to go back to the Pac-10 and just be, have no like mainstays? Like I, it just felt weird. And then there was the talk where they were, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 were thinking about combining and having some sort of merger, combine into a super league. And then that fell through. So it just feels like anything and everything is on the table. And you really just cannot say never say never at this point. Oh, Mike, give me your thoughts. Well, you know, my initial thought, like everyone else's, was this might mean the Kansas football program is finally back after years of being a bottom feeder. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I mean, Zach hit the nail on the head. Uh, Texas is going to get their asses handed to them. I, I mean, I don't know what the hell they were thinking trying to do this. Like, they're already losing recruiting in-state Texas A&M who pulled four of the top 10 this year, and now they're going to go join a conference with A&M where A&M isn't even the best team in its own division and its own conference. Like, what do you think is going to happen? The SEC West is the toughest division in college football. That's where you're going to get placed. And you're going to have to play Alabama, LSU, A&M every single year. You'll be lucky to win one of those games. The same goes for Oklahoma, who's an even a worse state after Lincoln Riley left to go join, you know, USC. Um so I don't know what those two are doing. I mean, they had a pretty clear pass to the college football playoff year in and year out, and now they're going to be lucky to make a New Year's Six Bowl. As for USC and UCLA, I mean, I guess good for them. The Big Ten's definitely the stronger basketball conference, but it's not the stronger football conference, and I don't think anybody would try to argue that it is. Um, I mean, it, it makes sense from a competitive standpoint because it will probably boost their ability to compete in regular season games and get themselves in a position to make the playoff. As we've kind of seen, the Pac-12 has diminished in football quality over the past few years and hasn't provided the same level of football that the SEC and the B1G have. So good for them, especially USC getting Lincoln Riley and bolstering its recruiting in Southern California. This is a, a major ploy for them to really get back on top of the college football world, and I like it from their perspective. Um, as for the pack and the, the big 12, I mean, rip, like they're dead. They're, they're, they're literally going to die. It's, it's going to go from the power five conferences to the power three conferences. And to be completely honest, if, if Clemson ever decided, screw it, we're going to the sec East, the ACC would die too. And I wouldn't be shocked if we heard that at some point in the next two years. So, I mean, we could very well be headed towards a two conference war in the course of our lifetimes. Yeah. So the 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 Clemson thing is funny to me because I just can't see a te a league going past 16 teams. It just feels like overkill to me. But at the same time, like I said earlier, I, I can't rule anything out at this point when you've got USC and UCLA going to the big uh, the Big Ten. The Big Ten now stretches from Los Angeles to New Jersey. That is the dumbest thing. Ever. That's it is literally the dumbest thing ever. And what basically what all the current moves, Oklahoma, Texas, especially USC, UCLA, 
that move to me reaffirms that a money drives everything. So like, obviously we can question everything about the whole Texas, Oklahoma thing, but ultimately they sold out for the bag. That is the sec revenue stream. And they said, we don't really care about our sports success as long as we're getting that back. And another thing is that the geographical conferences, they are, I'm convinced they are going to become a thing of the past when all is said and done. You're already seeing it with the Big Ten, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw it with even the SEC, maybe even the ACC, if they can finally pull in Notre Dame to become an official member full-time and then they they could pull a 16th member from god knows where i mean knowing knowing them it'll be like something stupid like oregon (laughs) but like i just i just think that it at this point it is money draws everything and whatever an athletic director or a school chancellor determines to be the most lucrative package financially to them to be able to provide for their athletic programs is the way they're going to go there is no loyalty. There is no geographical like uh, bragging or anything like there is no pride in that. It, it is just go to the bag and run with it. And I, when you hear that the college football playoff committee or whatever that group is called, they're already talking about the, at least discussing, even if it was only like a five or 10 minute brief convo, but the fact that they're already now bringing it to the table, the fact that they could potentially remove college football from the scope of the NCAA, that's crazy. That is crazy because that means everything's off. There's no NCAA to yell at you. You can do whatever you want, basically, with NIL and whatever. I'm sure they'll set rules in place. But then who knows what the college football playoff looks like? Who knows what the bowl system looks like? Like, who knows what the, the conference is? If, if they even exist at that point, like who knows? So at that I, point too, I mean, uh, the players become, they're not even students anymore. They're just athletes. They probably, that's what I'm saying. Have, they probably didn't have to go to class. Like <laughs> college football. Yeah. It's you're, literally like the big three. <laughs> you're going, yeah. you're going to school, but you're not really going to school. You're going to school to play football. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's really the way you're getting a degree in left tackle. Or you're getting a degree in left bench, like that's that's really what it what it could come down to, which is a scary kind of. It kind of gets a little scary when you think about it, but that just could be how things end up shaking out. Yeah, that's that's going to be such such a shit show. You're going to have like breaking news: Arch Manning signs four year, sixteen million dollar contract with Texas. <laughs> to play football and snort cocaine. Like that's literally going to be his fucking lifestyle for three years. Um, I, I mean, it's the idea that they would leave the NCAA is it's, it's, I wouldn't be completely shocked, but it's just such an outrageous thought. I mean, just to think about what would happen from that. And uh, also before I forget tired pack 12 after dark wired Rutgers after dark, just saying. <laughs> No, 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 no. Tired is USC, UCLA, late November in the California sun. Wired is USC at Wisconsin, late November in a blizzard. That, that's, that's, a, that's the real one. But uh, since we, we've got the Pac-12 on our mind, 
why don't we jump into our conference previews with the Pac-12? Mike, give me the team to beat in the Pac-12. Hmm. Well, let's see. One team got the best coach on the transfer market who brought his star young QB with him, who brought all those five-star recruits with him, who has already a pretty good roster in place. You know, I mean, I have to go with USC, Ryan. Um, I mean, just like on, on paper, they're, they're back. I mean, it's, it's different on the field, but on paper preseason, they look like the team to beat. Caleb Williams is the real deal. We all know what Lincoln Riley is capable of as a coach. And going from recruiting at Oklahoma, where he has to compete in the Texas market, to being the number one recruiting option in Southern California, which is a huge high school football hub, it's an upgrade. And not only will he be upgraded financially, but he'll be upgraded in recruiting. He'll be upgraded in opportunity, facilities, everything. I USC is the favorite. Yeah, you didn't even mention the fact that they pulled in All-American wide receiver Jordan Addison from Pitt in the transfer pool. Yep. So, I mean, it is it is disgusting, the options that they have on offense. Defense, I have questions, but I'll reserve my, my take on them for just a moment later. Zach, who do you feel is the team to beat in the Pac-12? Sheesh, Mike, I got to disagree with you right off the bat. I, go Utes, baby. It's, it's Utah. <laughs> Going back to back to Pac-12, they should they should run through this, run through this conference. It might be Oregon, but Utah, USC, they're always choking dogs, dude. I don't care who the coach is, I don't care who the quarterback is. Utah, they're here to stay. They're running it back again. Now, before you, I'll let you offer a rebuttal, Mike. I I gotta. I'm siding with Zach here. I do think that the at least the, the preseason favorite has to be the defending champion, Utah Utes. They have the most continuity of any of the schools between them, USC, or Oregon, which I think is clear-cut top three in the Pac-12. Uh, there are no divisions in the Pac-12 this year, uh, so it'll just be the top two teams. Keep that in mind. So when you're looking at the preseason favorite, though, even though the Utes might not be as talented, they might not have the most talent. They might have less talent than both USC and Oregon, for that matter. But I really think you gotta you got to go with the continuity here, especially with what you saw last year, where Utah destroyed Oregon not once, but twice. And obviously, who knows what USC is going to be like. They could be the choking dogs that they always have been, or they could be completely and fully, utterly back. We don't know. The range of outcomes on USC is in, is just stupid. They could be 11-1, and one, going for a Pac-12 championship, maybe even win it, 12-1, and one, be in that CFP discussion. Or I could easily see them being like 7-5, and 6-6, six and six, just cannot figure, put, cannot put any of the pieces together. So I think for that, I think you got to go with Utah to be the favorite just because of that. See, Utah might be the favorite because they have better defense and more continuity and the logic of your argument makes way more sense than mine. But USC is fun. Uh, they're a cool story. And I have to latch my wagon onto some upstart team. And if my choice is them, Texas or Notre Dame, well, I'm not choosing Texas and I'm not choosing Notre Dame. So go Trojans. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, let's let's kind of go 
over who would be college football playoff contenders. Uh, I did mention that I think it's a three-horse race here in the Pac-12 between Utah, Oregon, and USC. But, Zach, how many of the three do you think are true contenders for the college football playoff? True contenders? Yeah, it's. I mean, the Pac-12, just they don't really get love going. One of them is going to have to go undefeated. Uh, One-loss champion may get in, but you got – you got the SEC. Whoever wins that's getting in. Whoever wins the big is getting in. Probably and probably two teams from one of those divisions. So you have one one spot left. I mean, you're right. USC could be anywhere. Oregon's good every year. Utah. I mean, one of them is just gonna have to step up if if they all lose one or two games and then the just like last year, Utah beats Oregon twice to basically knock the Pac-12 out of contention. It's going to be tough for any of those teams to get in without an undefeated season. Yeah. And I think that's the issue is that I agree with you. And I just don't think any of the three are really likely to run the table. That being said, I think that given the state of the Pac-12, if one of them can get through the other two squeaky clean, they should be able to handle their business the rest of the way. Yeah. I, I, that's so, I really think it just comes down to which of the three, if any, can can run the table. And I, I just don't think that's any of them, unfortunately. I think they're they're going to beat up on each other. Personally, I think, I think Oregon is going to be pissed because of the way they got soundly smashed. <laughs> last year and i expect oregon to hand utah a loss this year but at the same time uh i expect utah to to put give usc a loss if they don't already have one by mid-october so i think that you'll see kind of the teams beating up on each other and they're gonna keep themselves from getting into the college football playoff uh mike what about you do you feel same way differently in truth, I don't think any of them will it will have an easy road getting in. I think USC has a shot simply based on upside. I think of those three teams, they pretty clearly have the highest upside given the head coach, the offense, the recruits, everything. Um, Utah is, I think, the safest pick, at, at least to win the conference because, like you guys said, they have continuity and statistics show they are perennially one of the best defenses in the country and defense plays up. But Utah's always prone to blowing one or two games a year based on poor quarterback play, and I can't see that not happening again, and I can't see Oregon kind of bouncing back. I can see USC having a big year if everything goes right. So in reality, maybe USC, but I think we're going to need to see two or three games get played before we can say for certain whether or not they are in fact back at at surface level, I'll go with no, no one, but um, maybe USC. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's You also have to keep in mind that the Pac-12 has only gotten into the college football playoff twice. And one of those times it needed an undefeated season from Washington to get in as like the four seed. So the Pac-12 doesn't really have a ton of respect across the board. 
and it's proven that they need basically a lot of things, if not everything, to go their way in order to get a team into the playoff. So let's talk about within the confines of the Pac-12, though. What would be a dark horse team that could, I don't know, maybe tip the the scales of the Pac-12 title race? Uh, Maybe they're not in the race themselves, but maybe they can play spoiler or even be closer to the top of the standings than most people would think. Uh, Zach, I'll start with you. Well, UCLA always gives USC a run for their money. I mean, they kicked the shit out of them last year. So I could totally see UCLA. They got a good quarterback and good running back and Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Zach Charbonnet. So I could definitely see them beating one of these teams and making their making their life hell. Um, yeah, UCLA, they just got a good complement of players. And Chip Kelly's he's a solid coach. He gets a lot of shit for all his years in Oregon and stuff and Eagles, but – He's a good coach, and UCLA should be pretty pretty decent this year. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like we've been waiting on the whole UCLA Chip Kelly experiment to kind of break out. Maybe this will be the year finally, or maybe this will be the year that he gets canned. Who knows? Could definitely go either way. Well, Mike, who's your dark horse in the Pac-12? I mean, is it fair to say Oregon is? Because I feel like it's 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 almost like there aren't really many true dark horses in the sport these days like you almost have to pick the worst team out of the top tier group and i feel like that's oregon like i can't really see them winning the conference but if a team that's not utah or usc were to do it i feel like it would be them they they did lose um i think dyer the star running back from last year to usc but they bring back a pretty good team and they have good continuity in their own right. And like you said, they're going to be pissed off from how last year ended. So, I mean, I know it's kind of cheapening out, but my general approach to college football has been modified to now a dark horse is really just the worst of the best in my opinion. Cause I chip Kelly's it's a nice story, but his style of coaching will win you games, but it will also lose you games just because, just because of how aggressive he can be offensively and, just his his style his general style of offense just tends to I I don't know it, I'm yeah. very on Chip Kelly I don't know it's I, I'm I'm going with Oregon that's my long winded way of saying Oregon <laughs> that's fine I mean I understand where you're coming from because college football is typically so top heavy that it's it's tough to see a team kind of come from the middle of the pack or or somewhere around there and and compete with the top tier teams in a given league. That being said, I, I think that you can actually point to a team or two that hasn't been mentioned yet that could impact the PAC 12 race. Uh, I'm going to say that the, the true dark horse here is Oregon state because they really competed last year with the top teams in the league. They only lost by single digits to Oregon in the civil war they uh, they competed with Utah. They they only lost by I think it was maybe ten or fourteen. Maybe maybe it was single digits. I don't. Ha- I'd have to pull it up. But basically, what I'm trying to get here is Oregon State 
competed with all of the big teams in their league. And most of those games were on the road last year. This year, they get Oregon at home. Uh, I know that for a fact. And they also get, uh, I think they get USC at home. Uh, No, I'm going to have to look this up. But so, yeah, they get USC early and at home. The rest of their schedule sets up actually like sneaky good nicely in terms of like home and away. Like they get outside of having to go to Utah, they get USC at home, they get Oregon at home, they get Washington State at home, which is another team that could be a dark horse in the Pac-12. But their schedule sets up nicely outside of the fact that they have to play USC and Utah back-to-back weeks. That's that's about it. So they're they have a nice little schedule there and they're returning most of their defense. So if they can figure out the offense, which obviously is asking a lot from a team like Oregon state, but if they can hang with teams on the road, like they did last year, I think they could pull an upset, maybe even two this year within the pac 12. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me if a team like Oregon State pulled a sneaky upset at the end of the year on Oregon or something like that. Yeah, I can see that. Now, let's let's talk a player to watch for in the Pac-12. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Who are you watching for in the Pac-12 this year? Well, you know, since I'm so high on USC, I'm going to go with the quarterback, Caleb Williams. First year in from Oklahoma. It's a little bit of a different transition in the sense that he's really not transferring. It's just kind of a change of jersey. It's the same coach, probably the same system he's going to be running, but he's going to have a big new weapon in Jordan Addison transferring in from Pitt, like you mentioned earlier, Ryan. He's got a little bit brighter lights on him now. Uh, Oklahoma isn't quite as big as Southern California in terms of you know the pressure and the atmosphere and everything else. So I'm inter- interested to see how he handles it. I'm interested to see if there is any adjustment in, you know, the offensive style of play or if he struggles at all or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of an impact he can have wearing the tro- the Trojan colors this year. Okay. What about Yuzi? Well, I'll go with my youths, go cam rising. Uh, they had a tough start to the year last year, but he really turned them around second half of the season, ended up with a really good, uh, QBR and quarterback rating throughout the rest of the season. He's top 10 in the nation, both of those. Uh, see if he can actually make some more passes this year and uh, score a little bit more points and take some pressure off that defense. But yeah, Cam Rising. He was huge for them last year. I think they started one and two. They looked just discombobulated. And then he just came in and just immediately flipped the script for them. Turned them into a championship caliber team win the Pac-12 for the first time in Utah's history go to the Rose Bowl for the first time in history almost beat Ohio State lost by three uh in a absolute shootout fest if they just didn't let up like 600 yards passing they might have had a chance to actually win that game yeah he also uh, got a concussion in that game so it's tough end tough end of the season for him yeah my player to watch for is another under the radar team 
It's Cameron Ward. He's the quarterback for the Washington State Cougars. He's a transfer from FCS level incarnate word, but don't don't let that kind of get to you. He's getting his play caller from Incarnate Word. The offensive coordinator came with him to Washington State. Now, I'm not saying that they're just going to come in and do the same thing that they did at the FCS level, which was throw for 600 yards in a game, average like 350 yards a game passing, this and that. But I am interested to see if any of that success can transfer to the FBS level. And so... If it does, Washington State could kind of sneaky be a team that disrupts, pulls off an upset on one of the top-end teams in the Pac-12. I don't think they will, but I am interested to see if any, uh, if they can kind of hang with the FBS level. Uh, so that's going to be my player to watch for is Cameron Ward. Now let's, let's wrap up our Pac-12 discussion and let's pick the conference championship game matchup and who takes home the crown. Mike, I will start with you. Who do you have in the Pac-12 conference championship game and who wins? USC, Utah, USC wins. Okay. Zach? Utah, Oregon, Utah, Dub. I agree with Zach. I have Utah, Oregon as well. And I have Utah beating Oregon and getting revenge for a regular season loss to Oregon. Moving on, we'll go with another conference kind of that will be, if not already, in shambles, the Big 12. So the Big 12, obviously, next year, they're going to be bringing in the likes of BYU, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati. But that is next year. This year, it's still the same old Big 12 that we've been used to for the past uh, eight to 10 years or so. So, Zach, give me the team to beat in the Big 12. Oof. Well, until they're gone, it's going to be Oklahoma pretty much every year. They they recruit like no other. They uh, Every year, it doesn't matter. They lose people left and right, lose Lincoln Riley. It doesn't matter. Uh, Oklahoma, they got a new quarterback, Dylan Gabriel. They should be just fine, and I, I expect them to run through this run through this conference. Mike, do you concur with that sentiment? You know, I don't. I think it's Baylor. I think Baylor, I, I think losing Lincoln Riley is going to be a a bigger impact than people realize. I think losing Caleb Williams is going to be a bigger impact. People realize. And, you know, Baylor's a team on the rise. I mean, they, I, I believe, weren't they the team that won dramatic fashion in a new year six bowl last year, like kind of came all the way back and scored a touchdown late in the game. Yeah. I think they were, it wasn't that against, who was that against Kentucky or was that somebody else? I don't remember who Baylor played, but I know, that both Baylor and Oklahoma State won New Year's Six Bowls game last year. Yeah, so I remember that, and I just remember, like, the atmosphere around that and, you know, kind of seeing what that was like on the sidelines for them. I know I know it's not the most popular pick, and I know Oklahoma has the precedent, but I don't know. I think the impact of losing all of the recruits that they did lose 
to USC and losing the head coach and the quarterback. Dylan Gabriel's a fine player, but he's not Caleb Williams. I don't think he's nearly as good. And I, I think with, with what Baylor is doing right now with their improved recruiting and, you know, with people knowing that if they go there, there's not the risk of, you know, oh, is, you know, one foot already out the door with looking at the SEC. I, I think there's a little bit more stability there in the coach, the roster, the program as a whole. I kind of like where they're headed, and I think they're the favorites. They're they're only one seated one lower than Oklahoma, so I'm I'm going with Baylor. I will give you that Baylor is definitely a fine pick for the Big Twelve favorite, but they're they've got the same kind of reloading issues that Oklahoma does. They're breaking in a new quarterback, they're breaking in new receivers. They they've got and they've got to reload on defense as well. It's the same thing for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, even more so. They, they're losing the vast majority of their defensive production. They're only returning, uh, I think, their top two defensive ends. Outside of that, the linebackers and the secondary are like almost totally revamped. So I just think there's a lot of retooling in this league, specifically at the top. Could make for a more wide-open league than maybe people anticipate. Because obviously everyone knows Oklahoma is, is going to be Oklahoma and do Oklahoma things. Baylor won the Big 12 last year. They played Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. They had two exciting matchups last year against each other. So I think the door here is definitely still wide open. And we haven't even brought up Texas uh, <laughs> in this discussion because like we all agree, Texas is so fraudulent that if anyone puts anything other than a, a cursory like $5 bet slip on Texas to win the, the big 12. Like you're just, you're wasting your time. Uh, so I'm, I, that being said, I do agree with Zach here again, sadly, not so sadly that Oklahoma is the team to beat here because I think they'll have a better time or they'll have a, they have a better chance of being able to reload and retool than a Baylor or an Oklahoma State will. I know they have all those noted departures from the program, but UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel is, like you mentioned, Mike, he's going to be manning the ship for the Sooners, but he's doing it with the offensive coordinator he had at UCF. Now you bring in Brent Venables to be the head coach of the Sooners, you know he is going to do something with that defense. I'm not saying that Oklahoma is going to be top five in like uh, defensive numbers across the board, but I think Oklahoma's defense will be better as a whole across the board uh, quickly, and especially sooner rather than later, because Brent Venable defenses at Clemson were a staple. They Even when that Clemson team was just dog water on offense last year, Clemson still wins 10 games last year because their defense was so great. So I think Brent Venables can get that defense into shape a lot quicker than maybe people will think. And because of that, I got to go with Oklahoma to be the favorite. Now, the real question that I have for you guys here is in terms of college football playoff contenders. Again, it feels like this is going to be another league where it's a three-team race, but I don't know how many of 
them are really true contenders. For me, Oklahoma is really the only contender here because I just think Baylor and Oklahoma have too much turnover in their rosters to be able to run the table again and maybe absorb one loss and have a shot at it. I just don't think they have enough in the tank. So I think personally, Oklahoma is the only chance for the big 12 to get into the college football playoff. Mike, what do you think? Um, I think Oklahoma and Baylor both have a shot. They're given the committee takes into account its own preseason rankings. I think more than people realize and wants to be right more than it wants to be wrong. And I think if either one of these teams is a really, really strong year, even one loss, the big 12 has a, a little bit more swag with the committee, if you will, than say the PAC 12. So I think a one loss Baylor or a one loss Oklahoma could get into the playoff. And I, I think that, you know, given that they both have enough ranked games, I could see either one of them sneaking in as the fourth seed under the right circumstances. Okay. Zach, what about you? Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, I think Baylor has a shot too. Um, I think it's Oklahoma's to lose, but I, but Baylor, the, it should be Baylor, Oklahoma in the championship game. And uh, we'll see from there if they, whoever wins that regular season one just has to win the, the the conference championship if they want to have a chance of getting in the playoff. I don't, I don't know if a one loss team from this one loss champion from this division gets in. Hmm. All right. Well, let's, let's move on and talk about dark horses in this league. Obviously, once again, I shall put forth Texas because <laughs> they are just such a fraudulent team over the past 10, 15 years that if they actually were back for one time, they would easily quantify as a dark horse, even though they have seemingly, they always have the preseason hype that this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year that Texas is back. And then they're just seven and six. No, they're just, they're just find ways to choke games. Like they did epically in the, Red River rivalry game against Oklahoma last year. That was embarrassing. Uh, But Zach, do you think that there is a dark horse here in the Big 12 that might be able to alter the Big 12 race at all? Um, There might be teams that could alter the the CFP implications, but the actual conference championship it's either going to be oklahoma or baylor there's there's nobody else okay do you think there's like a team that could be that's in the middle of the pack that might be able to sneak in like an upset over somebody or i mean kansas state's got some good players they might have a chance they could have a chance to beat one of these guys throughout the regular season at some point um i mean adrian martinez you know, transfers over. He he could lead at one good game and have them beat one of the big teams, but nobody else is winning the conference. I agree with you there. Little Mike, what about you? Any any dark horses in your mind? I know I know how you, you interpreted it in the last one, so I'm not expecting much here. Yeah, I mean I I guess Oklahoma State. I mean I can't really see any of the 
I, I agree with Zach. I think it's Baylor and Oklahoma, but Oklahoma State still has some clout with the committee. I think they're still they still have a decent roster, um, and they're coming off a big bowl win. So, in theory, if a team that wasn't one of those two were to win it, it would be Oklahoma State because they're the best of the they're the worst of the best. Mm-hmm. But like that's that's just my interpretation of it. Yeah. So obviously. I'm not putting Texas here. I think that they're still at least a year away from being a year away. And probably they're always going to be a year away, honestly, because when they, when they join the sec, they're, they're then forever toast. But I think that Kansas state, I like that you mentioned Kansas state, Zach, because that's the team that I think could be a sneaky dark horse, not so much to win the league, but to steal a game against one of those big three teams and then kind of keep one of those three teams out of the Big 12 title game. Kansas State gets a home game against Oklahoma State, and I think that could be one to watch for where K-State could pull the upset there, and then, like Zach said, it comes down to Baylor and Oklahoma, not only just as who gets the top seed in the – who gets – to decide, you know, one or two in the Big 12 standings, but potentially to decide who is playing for a spot maybe in the college football playoff uh, rather than a three-way tie at the top of the Big 12 standings and then just pure and utter chaos there. Because uh, I really think that the way this is going to shake out is that those three teams, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, I think they're going to one-and-one each other. I really do. I think – that Baylor is going to lose at Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is going to lose to Oklahoma State at home. And then I think Oklahoma State loses to Baylor. So I think you're going to have a three-way split there. But the reason it's not going to come down to tiebreakers is because I think K-State kind of plays spoiler and keeps Oklahoma State out of the mix. So – for that reason, I'm going with Kansas State. Do not sleep on Deuce Vaughn, their running back. He is a beast. All right. Speaking of players here, player to watch in the Big 12. Lil Mike, do you have one here? I do. It's Quinn Ewers. He went to Texas because he wanted to start games. He wasn't going to sit behind C.J. Stroud for another year at Ohio State. And honestly, if he's the real deal, he might be the only thing on this earth that could possibly bring Texas back because they haven't had a quarterback as good as him enter the program since probably Vince Young, if we're being completely honest. Colt McCoy wasn't as talented as yours as um, any I, – I can't even think of the other guy. Sam, whatever his name was. I don't even freaking remember his last name. Ellinger? Uh, Ellinger. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah, that guy. I, we're all back. So yeah, he's the one who actually said we're back, and then they got their asses handed to him the next year. So funny. Um, if anyone can bring Texas back, it's yours. I think he's the real deal. I think I, I I think he deserved a little bit more playing time early last year, but Stroud is clearly the real deal, so it's hard to blame Ryan Day for not playing yours at all. Uh, but, you know, curious to see how the, how the kid looks. I mean, I hope he's for real because it would make things more interesting in the conference, but who knows? It's Texas. Hmm. Zach, who's your player to watch in the Big 12 this year? Uh, yeah, it's Dylan Gabriel. I mean, 
Oklahoma's that we've been talking about, they're as good as anybody in, in outside of Alabama and Ohio State. So if transferring in, he doesn't always translate, but you like you said, he's got his offensive coordinator. The dude needs to put up some numbers. And I mean, we know nobody's gonna be playing any fucking defense in this conference. So you need to score and score a lot like they did USC and uh, or UCF. And let's see the lefty sling it. Mm. Well, if he is to have a successful season, he needs a receiver to step up for him. And my player to watch is what should be his number one option, Marvin Mims. He's kind of a short dude. He's only like 5'10", 184. But he had a very good freshman season. Uh, he had 37 catches, 610 yards, nine touchdowns as a freshman. But then his production dropped off last year. And he had didn't have as many receptions, didn't have as many touchdowns. He did have more yardage, so he showed more deep playability. But the just consistency from year one to year two didn't really didn't really happen. If if Oklahoma is gonna run train on the Big 12 get back on top of the conference. They're going to need to score a shit ton of points. Like you said, Zach, and the way that they're going to do that is Gabriel to Mims. So he needs to have a breakout season for the Sooners. If they're going to be challenging for not only a big 12 title, but potentially the college football playoff. So with that being said, that leaves us with our conference championship predictions. We kind of already uh, gave some of ours, but we'll go over them again. Zach, start you with yours. Uh, let's see. Oklahoma, Baylor, um, tough one there. Uh, Oklahoma champion. Mm-hmm. Little Mike, do you concur? Uh, Oklahoma, Baylor, Baylor champion. Okay. I also have the same two teams. Surprise, surprise, Oklahoma and Baylor. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I think they get back on top of the Big 12 throne. So let's move on to the ACC. Now, the ACC, top to bottom, might actually be sneaky decent. Maybe if you take out the, the bottom four. But, like, they've got, I think, five teams ranked in the preseason top 25 I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Wake Forest, who's 22, just lost their starting quarterback for an indefinite period of time with some non-injury-related medical issue that hasn't come out yet, as far as I'm aware. And he was basically the, uh, I think it was the runner-up for ACC Player of the Year. So that's going to be a massive loss for the Demon Deacons, who... Uh, we're trying – I think they – they play for the – no. Nah, did they play for the ACC? No, that was Pitt and uh, somebody else last year. Was it Was it Wake Forest? I don't even remember. But I feel like the ACC, after a down year from Clemson last year, is still wide open, despite Clemson opening up the year with the number four ranking. So my question to you, though, Mike, is – Clemson, the team to beat in the ACC, or do you have to go with somebody else? I think you have to go with Clemson. I mean, yeah, they had a down year last year, but 
one down year after five excellent years. I understand Brent Venables is a big loss on the defensive side as the coordinator, but all their promotions for were from within, so they're not really changing a lot systematically. We talked about continuity earlier. Uyagalele, a quarterback, is back this year. That's a huge plus for them, even though he wasn't the best last year. And Dabo's earned enough credit at this point to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to coach them back up to the level that we're used to seeing Clemson at, and they should be the team to beat in the ACC. Okay. What about you, Zach? Do you feel the same way? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, ECC's pretty shocked. Clemson all all day. Mm-hmm. I know last year everything went wrong for them, especially from the offensive standpoint. But even with the offense being basically dog water last year, they still went 10 and three. Yeah, they missed out in the ACC title game, obviously the college football playoff, but it they, they still have a loaded defense and all they need is for the offense to just return to form. And they showed back in what was, I think, Trevor Lawrence's last year in Clemson where DJ, uh, I think he stepped in for two games for Trevor Lawrence because of COVID. In those two games, DJ went off. So if he can show that version of himself this year and the rest of the offense is, is fine because the whole offense – in general, was terrible. The receivers couldn't do squat. The offensive line couldn't give him uh, time of day whatsoever to throw. But if they didn't fix all of that and they become the Clemson of old from two years ago, then yeah, there is nobody in the ACC that realistically can hang with Clemson. Maybe one team. So I think we can kind of keep the, for the next point, college football, Playoff contenders. I feel like it's only Clemson here, but does anyone does anyone want to throw out any other possibilities from the ACC here? I mean, NC State. You know, they got Devin Leary, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They they got a chance just if he makes enough throws. I mean, he threw for. Three over three thousand yards last year, thirty-five touchdowns. He's gonna be a senior. Uh, dude's been in the system for now four years. Veteran quarterbacks win in college football, and this guy's got a chance. Okay, Mike, do you have any other contenders other than Clemson that you can think of, or not? Nah? I agree with Zach. Um, I think Leary needs to have a Heisman caliber year for NC State to be in contention for the playoff. But if he does that, they're preseason 13 for a reason. I mean, you know, sometimes you need everything to go right to get in, kind of like what happened with um, Cincy last year. Everything goes right for NC State. There's enough talent there that they could sneak in. So I don't think it's likely. I think Clemson's still the team to beat, and I think they are a legit contender, whereas – NC State is a dark horse CFP contender, but I wouldn't rule NC State out entirely. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they're definitely a long shot, so I'm not going to list them as a contender. I was, however, tempted to include Miami because not only do they have the talent, now they've got the revamp. They brought in a whole new coaching staff. Mario Cristobal has kind of 
tried to re-legitimize Miami football. And they also, not only do they have the talent on field, but their schedule is such that if they somehow put it all together, which I don't think they will, but if they were to put it all together, if they were to win that game, I think they're playing Texas A&M. If my memory serves me right, they, yeah. So Miami has a road trip to Texas A&M on September 17th. If they win that game, I'm not going to say that they're necessarily full on 100 million percent back, but there is a, there is a road for them. If they win that game against Texas A&M, they will be favorites in literally every game up until the Clemson game at Clemson, second to last game of the regular season for them. So they could enter that Clemson game 10-0. There's a chance Clemson enters that game 10-0. And so I and with Miami's schedule, I really do think that they have a shot. If they beat Texas A&M, if they were to beat Clemson and beat Pittsburgh and then win the the ACC championship, that's going to be four ranked teams more likely than not. So I think that they, they could build a resume there. I just, they have to have that game at college station because if they don't, then everyone's going to write them off and they're going to, they're just, again, a year away from being a year away, most likely. So dark horses. Now we talked about NC state. I think you can also add Louisville to the mix because their schedule sets up nicely from a home and away standpoint where all their tough games are at home outside of having to go to Clemson. They also have arguably the best quarterback tight end duo in the ACC in Malik Cunningham and Marshawn Ford. So I don't think Louisville will win the ACC or even sniff the conference championship, but I think Louisville could definitely play spoiler and impact the ACC race, perhaps steal a game from someone and keep them out of the, the ACC championship. Do you guys have any dark horses that you can maybe outside of NC States? Uh, sheesh, outside NC State and maybe Miami, I don't, I don't really, I mean, Louisville, I, I don't mind, mind it, but yeah, the, the ACC is not super deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, truth, truth be told, um, I can't see Miami winning that game at AM. AM is probably the hardest place to win in the country for anyone who's not named Nick Saban. So um I I, I think this conference is pretty much Clemson NC State, and I, I can't really see anyone else winning it. Yeah. It is funny that we haven't even mentioned last year's ACC champion, who's opened up, I think, 17th in the ranking in Pitt. So that's yeah. that's that tells you all you need to know about the ACC this year. All right, real quick, we'll give a player to watch in the ACC before we give our conference championship prediction. So, Mike, who's your player to watch in the ACC? DJ Uyagalili. I know I've been going with a lot of QBs, but he was supposed to be the next big thing there. He didn't really live up to it last year. Um, this was kind of a make or break year for him. He's draft eligible for the first time. Uh, he doesn't really have the, it's my first year as a full-time starter excuse anymore. 
And if he flops, he could be looking for a new home, not necessarily a place in the NFL. He could be looking for a new home as in the transfer portal. So curious to see if he bounces back and shows that he's a real deal or if he's a fraud and if he opens the door for NC State. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Zach, what about you? Uh, I was talking about fifth-year senior, Devin Leary. Um, big year for him, not only for the NFL, but also there, there's openings in the ACC here if he has a good year. So, yeah, Devin Leary, NC State. Yep, that, Devin Leary was mine as well. He's He is the preseason ACC player of the year. He is that for a reason. The 35 to 5 touchdown interception ratio you mentioned, he threw for over 3,000 yards. If NC State is going to make a run at this thing, they beat Clemson last year. I know Clemson was a shell of themselves last year to a degree, but if, if they can beat Clemson again, perhaps this is an NC State league in the years to come. And who Jeez. would have ever thought that? would be a statement I'd utter in the year of our Lord 2022. So let's move on to conference championship game predictions in the ACC. I am out on Clemson. I don't see it happening with DJ Lele. I just don't. I think he'll be better, but that was a whole ass season of just awfulness from him and the rest of that offense last year. I don't think they can just magically write the ship and be perfect or anywhere near the level of production that they had with quarterbacks beforehand. So I think they're going to lose to NC state again. And honestly, I think Clemson doesn't even make it to the conference championship. I have NC State versus Miami in the ACC title game, and I will take NC State yeah, to win the ACC. Game. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm going to go with Clemson, NC State, and... Buddy, that is impossible. Clemson, oh, they can't play each other? The ACC still has divisions, Clemson and NC State are in the same division. Uh, well, you know, some some conferences have gotten rid of divisions. Some conferences aren't really conferences. I, I don't know who's where anymore. It's true. And it's, I will give you the benefit of the doubt there because the ACC <laughs> is getting rid of their divisions next year, but well, not this that's year. Really, that's really <laughs> unfortunate. I, I, I'm, I'm just too forward thinking then. Anywho, um, Clemson versus it doesn't matter. Clemson will beat whoever the hell comes out of the other division. All right, I will insert highest-ranked team available, Miami, for you. Okay, sure, that works. Zach, what about you? Yeah, no, fuck Clemson, uh, trash-ass school, NC State, <laughs> Miami. The kids, Devin Leary's doing it, NC State. If if he does do it, and let's say they're like 12-1, and one, he could be a sneaky Heisman, uh, Heisman this, finalist. Could this be his Joe Burrow year? You know, some are saying, some are saying, saying. (laughs) we'll have to see because NC state's never played as, as a, as a favorite. They've always been the underdog, the the one that nobody respects, but now, now they've got the lofty expectations in, in the hype. So we'll see how they handle it. All right. Now we're moving on to the two biggest conferences in all of college football. 
maybe even all of college sports. We'll start with the Big Ten. The Big. Last year, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, the khakis finally got over the hump. They beat Ohio State. They won the Big Ten, made it to the college football playoff. Ohio State's not going to sit there and stand for this. So the question is, Zach, who is the team to beat in the Big Ten this year? Uh, it's it's Ohio State. Um, they just have – they are the Alabama of the Big Ten, and they just have more talent than everybody. But Michigan is returning, Cade McNamara. They did it last year. You know, some special things could happen maybe again. There's lightning strike twice. Who knows? Uh, they did lose a lot on defense in Michigan. But, yeah, it's Ohio State to lose at this point. Mike? Yeah, I, I think it's Ohio State by a pretty significant margin at this point. That was a, you know, good for, good for Jimbo for winning and then showing his true colors in the playoff when he finally got the chance to get there. So, given Georgia was an NFL, NFL defense, but still, um, this, this is Ohio State's to lose. Yeah, it's Ohio State. Is they they have CJ Stroud, they have Jackson Smith, uh, they got Travion Henderson, they got all their playmakers coming back. Enough said. It's Ohio State. It's not. I mean, it's not really even close in terms of the preseason favorite. Now, college football playoff contenders, we can throw Michigan in the mix there for sure. And honestly, I think these two are both a good bet to not only be in the mix for the college football playoff, but I think they could both be potentially undefeated going into that, the game at the end of the season. This time it's in Ohio state. We'll see how that plays out, but I think Ohio state could sneaky absorb a loss here with the number two ranking in the preseason. If they lose a game to say, pulling up their schedule now, let's say they somehow, I don't believe they will because Notre Dame is also a super califrigic aspialidosis fraud. Notre Dame, if they were to lose the season opener to them and then just rattle off 10 straight wins and then beat Michigan and go 11 and one, go to the Big 12 title, uh, Big 10 title game, win that. I think they still make the playoff, but I don't know if Michigan will be able to do that same thing. Uh, their schedule is a little bit lighter. Uh, they don't play anyone in the non-conference. Uh, their only ranked opponent currently before Ohio state at season's end is a home game against Michigan state. Now, Iowa could become a ranked team. Penn state could become a ranked team. Michigan got a pretty easy slate. They they play all the Big Ten shitters this year for the most part. So they're, I don't think they have as much room for error in the CFP race. Uh, Mike, do you would you agree with that sentiment? Or do you think there's a third college football playoff contender out there? No, there's not. And truth be told, I, I don't even look at Michigan as a contender, if I'm being honest, because I can't see them beating Ohio State and – 
I know they got in last year, but that was such a one-off for them. And they, I know it's, they got back finally, but they're such an easy pick to just go straight back to where they were that I, I truthfully think it's just Ohio state. And then everyone else, I, I don't even see Michigan in the same light as Ohio state. I think they're going to lose one of those games to that shitter. And then I think they're going to get their doors blown off in Columbus. So I, I don't see them getting in. What about you, Zach? Yeah, for me, it's Ohio State. Um, you know, maybe Wisconsin has has a chance to play some shitters on the other side, and if they could beat Ohio State in the championship game, coming in with a really good record, maybe. But yeah, I don't, I don't really see Michigan as repeating anything close to what they had last year. See, I want to join you on the Wisconsin thing, but I did that last year. I said Graham Mertz was going to have yeah. a coming out party of sorts, and he was my player to watch last year, and then he proceeded to be equally as dog water last year, and I'm not making that same mistake again. I just – I don't – they I know they have a great running back, and I'm going to highlight him as my player to watch, but I don't think they have the quarterback to to compete for even the Big Ten, let alone college football playoff. Now, dark horse in the Big Ten. I know we've got some different interpretations of the word dark horse, but is there a team in the Big Ten that outside of Ohio State or Michigan that can really kind of shake up the Big Ten race? For me, I think it's Penn State. They Sean Clifford, senior quarterback, he's back. He's healthy and he's ready to lead those Nittany Lions on a bounce back campaign. If you look, I know they went seven and six last year, but if you look at the games that they played, they, before Clifford got hurt last year, Penn State knocked off a pair of ranked teams. They beat Wisconsin right away in their first Big Ten game. And then they also went and beat Auburn. But then Clifford got hurt. They went 0-5 against all the ranked teams they played thereafter. But even with Clifford playing hurt and all those losses, those losses were only by an average of 6.6 points. They lost by single digits to all of those ranked teams that I met. Uh, I think it was Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, I'm... I'm missing one. Uh, probably Wisconsin. I know they beat Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan State. And then uh, they lost a, a bowl game to, I think it was, I don't know. Forget who they're. Oh, I think it was Arkansas. They lost to Arkansas. But all those, the four Big Ten teams that they lost to, ranked opponents that they lost to, all by single digits. And some of those were on the road. Like they only lost by nine at Ohio state or they only lost by, uh, I think it was seven to, to Michigan. Like they, they showed that they could hang. If they had a healthy Sean Clifford in those games, they could have won a couple of them. So I think a healthy Sean Clifford, if he can just stay healthy for the entire year, which is doubtful, but if he does look out for Penn state, they could be sneaky, really good. Hello, Mike. I know your your interpretation of dark horse is different, but do you have anyone here as a dark horse in the Big Ten? 
this is the only conference where I'm going to say this. No, I, I truthfully am like exceptionally high on Ohio state. I think there's one team in the entire country that can beat them and they don't play in the big 10. Um, I, I, I think this is just, this, this is going to be a year where Ohio state really shows what it, it's going to be a similar year to what another team in red had last year um, in the SEC for Ohio state. I think they're going to, they're going to really do some serious damage. And I think that they are significantly better than everyone else in that conference. I, I can't see anyone causing enough havoc to even put a dent in, in that wagon. Okay. Zach, how do you feel? You think there's a dark horse lurking out there somewhere? Uh, I mean, if you can count Wisconsin as a dark horse, I'll, I'll give them the nod. Sure. I think they'll, I think they'll be the team to come out of, come out of the West there. And you know, if they can get if they can just get up on Ohio State in the championship game, which will be tough, granted, but if they can get up on them and just pound that running game, and maybe they squeak out an ugly an ugly one in that game, uh, they're my dark horse candidate. Okay. Now, for player to watch, I think it is Braylon Allen, the Wisconsin running back. He didn't really do anything the first month of the season last year. He missed two games. He played in two games, but didn't do anything in them. And then all of a sudden, they just inserted him into the lead back, feature back role. And all he did was go on to rush for 100 or more yards in seven straight games, eight of his last nine games. He had a game where he rushed for almost 250 yards. Granted, it was against, uh, I think it was Nebraska. But if he's able to develop some sort of receiving role, because last year he only had eight catches for 39 yards in 11 games, which is not good. But if he has any sort of receiving role or is able to develop that, he's going to be a primed for a monster 2022 year behind that Wisconsin line. So uh, I definitely like the Wisconsin uh, pick for the Big Ten West. Uh, and I think if they do do that, it'll be because they did it behind the legs of Braylon Allen. Zach, who's your player to watch in the Big Ten? You know what? I'm going to steal your guy from uh, from last year. I'll let Mike take uh, take his boy. <laughs> and uh, I'll steal your guy from last year, Graham Mertz. If Wisconsin's going to have a chance, it's going to be behind Braylon Allen and, and Mertz. He's had another year. He was disappointing last year. Uh, it's like DJ Ulele at Clemson. You know, these guys got to step up at some point and play like the, the quarterbacks that people think they are. So it'll be Mertz's job, job to take down Ohio State. Hmm. And that leaves you, Mike, with your player to watch. Well, you know, there's a, a plethora of guys I could pick from from the team that I've <laughs> yeah. been pretty much obsessing over because they, they're not short of options. I think the one to really watch is Jackson Smith Jigba. Yeah, I, I, I know it, it's I know it's of, of all the guys, but he didn't really get to show himself last year. You you kind of know what Stroud is. You know what Travion Henderson is. Jigba only got to play in one game. And in that one game, he put up a Devontae Smith-like performance. He had over 300 receiving yards on 11 catches and three TDs. He's now going to be unleashed as the number one option in a pass-heavy 
Ryan Day offense. And I, I mean, I, I know I, I could have picked anybody, but I'm very curious to see what he does as the true number one over a full season because he could be putting up some serious, some serious numbers that put him in wide receiver Heisman contention if what he did in that bowl game last year was legit. Yeah. I mean, he was what the number three wide receiver on his team last year. And he still had over 1600 yards receiving. Yeah. Now he's the one. So yeah, that I definitely think that's a great player to highlight there. Uh, I, I honestly agree with you. I think he could even be in the Heisman conversation when all is said and done. Uh, Honestly, the Buckeyes have three guys that maybe could could be in there, two for sure. But it, it's that offense is just going to be just stupid to watch this year. If you thought last year it was stupid, I assure you this year it's only going to get dumber. So let's wrap up the Big Ten with our conference championship game picks. Well, Mike, get us started. Who you got? Who takes on the crown? It's going to be Ohio State versus Wisconsin, and it's going to be Ohio State by a landslide in that title game. Okay. What about you, Zach? Yep, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I also have Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game winning by a wide margin, but I got them playing Iowa. Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. I don't care what I said about Wisconsin. Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. Hawks, Hawks. (laughs) And Ohio State wins, of course. Oh yeah, landslide still. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I, I'm just, I just got to go with my hawks, hawks, hawks. Uh, and that brings us to the main event, the conference you've all been waiting for, SEC. Finally, Alabama, <laughs> Georgia. Obviously, pick your poison for who you think is the team to beat. One is the defending SEC champion. The other is the defending national champion. They split the matchups last year because guess what? They played each other for both of those titles. So, Zach, who is the team to beat in the SEC? Well, you know, they won the national champion. You know, fuck Georgia. It's Alabama. (laughs) Georgia lost so many players from last year. They had a great season. Stetson Bennett is an absolute fraud. Georgia will be dog shit this year. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Little Mike. Yeah. If, if, if I wanted to bet against Nick Saban, I might as well have a fire and start burning my own money. I mean, like that's, I'm not doing that. It's, it, it's Bama. George, Georgia lost a disgusting amount of defensive players to the NFL. Um, their tight end. Best tight end in the country. I forget his name yep. off the top Brock of my head. Bowers. Brock Bowers. He's, he's a fucking stud. I think he's probably, truthfully, he might be the next Gronk. I know people have said that about certain players. He legitimately might be the next Gronk. Like, he's that good. But other than that, I mean, they're not really returning a ton of key players, and there's a lot of turnover there. Bama is returning Bryce Young and Will Anderson. That's all you need to know about them, to know that they are the favorites. Yeah, so in terms of who's the team to beat here, uh, I just have one question. Is Nick Saban still the Alabama head coach? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I think, I think uh, so. I think he actually just signed like a $93 million extension to stay there for longer. Ah, well, then I rest my case on it. It's Alabama. 
college football playoff contenders. This this is where I think it could be low-key kind of interesting, and I'm very interested to see what your guys' thoughts of here. Obviously, Alabama-Georgia should be in the mix given their preseason rankings of one and three, respectively. But I think there could be at least one, if not more, contenders out of the SEC here. So, no Mike. Outside of Bama and Georgia, because I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pencil those two in. I feel like you just have to. Is there anyone else in the SEC that you feel like is a true contender for the college football playoff? No, Ryan. I got to be honest. There is. It's, I think that's the first time I've said that all night. Like, truly, there is one other legitimate contender in that conference. And it's the school that out-recruited both Alabama and Georgia this past year, and that's Texas a and hmm. Jimbo brought in four of the top 10 recruits in the country, and I think 10 of the top 50, on top of already having a pretty well-established program down there. It's the hardest place to play in the country. They're preseason number seven for a reason. If anybody could take out Bama, they're it. Um, I don't even – I think they're truly the second-best team in the conference. I think they're better than Georgia this year. And – Watch out for the Aggies. They're going to make some noise. Zach, do you concur with Texas A&M? Anyone else you want to include in that 100%, mix? 100%. 100% agree with that. Um, yeah, I I love Texas A&M this year. They, like you Mike said, they brought in a shit ton of good players. And, you know, they're not going to beat Alabama, but they got a chance to make some make some noise outside of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm 100% here. The, I, I just think it comes down to whether or not Jimbo Fisher can put it all together in college station. They mm-hmm. obviously have the talent. They have the expectations. They have had those expectations for some time now. So it just, it feels like with the, the success in the recruiting trail, they beat Alabama last year. It feels like they should be on the cusp, on the precipice of getting to Atlanta in that SEC championship game. And it feels like anything short of that will just be a disappointment. So I feel like Texas A&M is 100% a college football playoff contender. So I think there's three for sure. Could you reach for a fourth? Yeah, because obviously if a team like Ole Miss or Arkansas or or even Kentucky just goes bananas and they finish like 11 and one and they're playing for an SEC title, they're going to have a shot at making the college football playoff. If you're playing for the SEC championship, you are playing for a potential spot in the college football playoff. Uh, that's, that's just how it is. So I, I don't think I'm going to include anyone else as a, as a surefire contender. But I definitely think you can make a case for a couple other teams that I mentioned. Of those teams that I mentioned, do any of you feel like the one of them is a dark horse to to kind of be in the mix for the SEC this year? Mike, I'll start with you. Um, I don't know. I mean, the West, the West is pretty shocked with the top two. The East. Maybe Kentucky could make some noise on upset Georgia. Um, but like 
other than that, I mean, Kirby Smart's a damn good coach. I, I can't really see them falling off too, too much. They will fall off a bit, but I don't know how much exactly. I don't know. It kind of it kind of feels like the top three and then everybody else. And it may, maybe Kentucky at best. Okay. My dark horse is Kentucky because the SEC East is obviously weaker than the West. Georgia, maybe Tennessee. That's really all their competition there really is there. And Tennessee is a stretch. So, like, you look at Kentucky's schedule, they avoid playing Alabama. They avoid playing Texas A&M. They avoid playing Arkansas. All they have on their schedule is a road trip to Ole Miss at the beginning of October. Yeah, they got to play Kentucky. That's a rivalry. Uh, they got to play t- at Tennessee at the end of October. That's that's a game they lost last year. But then they get Georgia at home at, towards the end of the season. If they can somehow navigate and win at Ole Miss, because last year they beat a top 10 Florida team. Maybe they were ranked way too high at that point. But they beat a top 10 team in Florida before going into the matchup with Georgia where they were both 6-0. and I really think that there is a chance that Kentucky and Georgia could once again match up undefeated. But this time, the stakes would be stupid high as both teams would be 10-0. So for that reason, I think Kentucky has to be the dark horse here because it feels like they're going to be the favorites in literally every game outside of maybe Ole Miss. So if they can get that game and go down to Ole Miss and win that game, I really think that there's a a, a decent shot that we're looking at Kentucky, Georgia for the SEC East crown and a spot in Atlanta and a spot in the college football playoff in late November, which would be crazy for Kentucky football. Zach, do you have a dark horse? Go Gators, baby. Go to the swamp. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they've been trash for a while, but they're my boys. Um, Dog shit last year, but they got a new coach uh, from Louisiana. He brought over his his running back, Montrell Johnson. Anthony Richardson takes over a quarterback. You know, George is trash, so... Go Gators, fuck them up early, and uh, bring another championship back to the swamp. We will know all we need to know about Florida two weeks into the season. Yes, we home, will. home opener against seventh-ranked Utah, followed up by SEC opener against 20th-ranked Kentucky. Uh, so we'll know what they're like. Oh, and just by the way, Florida has to go on the road to – Number three, Georgia, and number six, Texas A&M, back-to-back. Yeah, no big deal. They got Uh, that in the bag. In the mother-effing bag, for sure. All right, players to watch in the SEC. I am glad that Lil Mike brought up Brock Bowers earlier on one hand, but on the other, that was my player to watch. So I will defer to Zach, who clearly had a blurb to say about him. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say my bold prediction for the year, even though Georgia sucks, is that after this year, there will be three tight ends to ever win the Heisman because Brock Bowers is taking it home. Wow. 
Well, here's the thing. If he's going to do that, Georgia's got to run the table. No. No? (laughs) Nope. 20 touchdowns. He's 1,500 yards. He's got it. Uh, I don't know about that, Chief. I don't know about that. I want both. (laughs) Want my cake and eat it too. Oh uh, god. Mike, do you have uh, another player to watch in, in the SEC or was Brock Bowers your guy too? Actually, he was not. Um see cuz I also had a bold Heisman prediction, nice. but it wasn't that Brock Bowers was going to win a Heisman award. It's that Will Anderson's going to be the first defender to win a Heisman since the 90s. Sheesh. Oh. He's 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 the best defensive player in the country. He should be the number 1 overall pick in the upcoming draft. There is no tackle that can block him one on one. He's a wrecking ball, and if he's healthy, 20 sacks in the bag. Sheesh, indeed. Now, because Zach made that bold proclamation about Brock Bowers, I feel inclined to read the blurb that I had for him. Love it, please. Because because it it just blows mine out of the water, and I just need to be able to put that in perspective. Like, I had him. I'm like, oh, Bowers, sensational freshman year during the Bulldogs run the national title. He hauled in 13 touchdowns. Question is now, can he do it again? Can he reach a thousand yards receiving while he's at it? Blah, 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 blah. And Zach's out here just like, oh, yeah, he's going to have like 2,000. He's going to have 1,500 yards, 20 touchdowns. He's, he's, he's winning the Heisman, actually. And I'm just in here like, oh, okay. Well, never mind me. I'll go see myself out. That being said, uh, all uh, all saltiness aside, we still have a conference championship game to pick. So, SEC title game. Who do we have playing in Atlanta for, let's face it, a spot in the college football playoff? Zach, lead us off. We got um, that team, uh, Alabama, that that one. I think they're going to squeak one out this year. And they're going to be playing Kentucky. And Alabama's going to win. Alabama-Kentucky in a close one in Atlanta. I was not ready for that one. No, Mike, go ahead. I got Bama, shockingly. And I got Georgia, shockingly. And uh, once again, Atlanta will be crimson red as the tide will roll through uh, to the SEC title. <sighs> you know, I want to, I really want to join you, Zach, on this Kentucky. Yeah. I really do because the this, this schedule is just like all they have to do is survive that one game. And then they get, if they, if they hold serve, then they get a, a rematch with Georgia. But I, I still don't think they're ready for it. Coward. Kentucky's running back, their starting running back, is ineligible right now because he got arrested for DUI in the offseason. Their top yeah. wide receiver, I think, is not playing this year. He's going. He's just holding out to get ready for the NFL, which means Will Levis, who was really good last year, 24 pass touchdowns, nine rush TDs, he's going to have to be stupid good with not the – greatest uh, skill position players receiving group on the planet. I don't think that serves up to be well for a matchup with Georgia 
that Georgia defense is still going to be really good. Obviously, like 30-something players went to the NFL from their defense last year, but they still have guys that will go to the NFL on that team. They still have those. So it's not like they just shipped off their entire fleet of defense from last year and sent them all to the NFL. They still have some really good guys there in Athens. So I I think that Georgia will make it back to the SEC title game. And I'm with you there, Mike. I think that Alabama will once again be waiting for them in the wings. The problem that I have is I think Georgia is going to be pissed that they didn't get both the SEC and national title last year. And Bama is just going to kind of be in that mindset of, are been there, done that? And I think Georgia might sneak one over Bama. Yes, Bama will be looking for revenge for the national title, certainly. But I think Georgia sneaks one out over Bama this year in the SEC championship. It'll be tough because Stetson Bennett is Stetson Bennett, but I think they find a way. They did it last year over and over again. I think they'll do it in the SEC championship this year. All right. Breather. Obviously, we still have to give our picks for the college football playoff. Before we do, we have one last question that I want to address, and it is, is there a team out there? I know we've kind of mentioned it a little bit over the course of our conference previews, but if you could pick one team that maybe isn't in that kind of is, is lurking, they're not really a bonafide college football playoff contender going into the season. Is there one team that you guys can point to that you think could finish right there in the range of being within striking distance somewhere close to the top six or seven in the college football playoff when all is said and done, Mike, I'll start with you. Well, for being honest, NC State. I mean, if 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 their QB has that Heisman winning season like we talked about earlier, and they go on to win the ACC, they're going to be right there, and they're going to make a name for themselves, and they're going to have an argument to be in the playoff. You know, they probably have to go undefeated to do it, and I don't see that happening. But hey, who knows? I if, if there's a team that's outside of the top ten right now that can do it, it's probably them. Mm-hmm. I think if Penn State, this is a stupid long shot because they are unranked to start the year. That doesn't mean it's impossible for them to get within striking distance, but everything would have to go their way. But I really think based off of last year's results, if, if they have a healthy Sean Clifford, they really can win a lot of the games that they lost last year. So do not be surprised if Penn state is a top 10 team when all is said and done, and maybe even sneaking into that top six, top seven range at the end. What about you, Zach? I mean, you gave every reason why Kentucky could be right there. Um, mm. Come the Georgia game, I mean, you said they got to get one pass one game and then come coming down to the end of the Georgia game. Yep. They, they could be right there in that top 10 and did they get a win, go to the championship game, anything could happen there. So yep. Kentucky's my favorite there. I like it. All right, the moment 
we have really, truly all been waiting for. We are going to give our picks for the 2022 college football playoff. We're going to give one through six, even though only one through four make it. So we'll give the four teams that we like to make it seeded one through four, and we'll include the first two teams out. Zach, the floor is yours. Who you got? Oh boy. Well, Alabama, Ohio State's one, two. We are going to put Utah at three and Texas A&M at four with Oklahoma at five and fuck it, Kentucky at six. Okay. And we'll, we'll wait for see who your who advances in your bracket momentarily but zach i mean zach mike go ahead so i have ohio state finishing the year as number one and alabama finishing the year as number two although i don't think either of them lose a game i think at some point people are just going to recognize how good ohio state is and not to say that bama isn't as good but i think ohio state's going to have a more dominant regular season and we've seen before that the one and two can get flipped i think that's what's going to happen And number three, and I hate this team with a burning passion, but they're only going to lose one game. It's their season opener at a, against Ohio State, and then they're going to run the table. And because they're not a Power 5 team, but they're also not a mid-major team, the committee is going to find an excuse to put them in finally with Marcus Freeman at the helm. Notre Dame will finish as the three seed. Hate that. Hate that so uh, much. And number four, that kind of stole my thunder here, but I have one loss to A&M getting in. I think nice. they only lose to Bama, and I think they're going to run the table and run through everything else in their path otherwise. At five and six, at five, I have USC. I think they're going to lose a game. I think they'll win the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 is the Pac-12, so they're not going to get their respect. And at number six, I have Clemson, who will win the ACC with two losses. Hmm. Okay. So at number one, I have Georgia. I think they'll be the only undefeated team, but I think it's, but I think it's because that the SEC schedule for them is very on the easier side this year. They'll have plenty of time to come into form. And by the time that they get into I know they have the regular season opener against Oregon, but I think they'll get past that. And then they don't play another ranked team until Kentucky. I mean, I just feel like they're going to handle business against Oregon in the season opener, which is in Atlanta in the peach, uh, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. So Oregon has to travel all the way across country for that. Don't like their chances there. So I like Georgia there and then they should be able to hold serve. I think they'll, survive the trip to Kentucky, but barely, and then they'll squeak out the win over Bama in the SEC championship, which will give them the number one overall seed. Two, Ohio State, I think they'll finish 12-1. and I think their only loss will be a slip-up somewhere to perhaps Penn State, uh, maybe Michigan State, uh, but they're uh, going to beat Notre Dame. And they're going to beat Michigan. I can tell you that much. Uh, so I like Ohio State to 
be number two. And this is where I think I'm going to, I'm going to literally lose some, lose some, some value here, but I agree with you guys on Texas A&M, but I think they will be the three seed here at 11 and one with only the loss at Alabama by a little bit. So I think the committee will say that they've got a good enough resume to get in, but at four, I have Michigan because Michigan is going to walk through the big 10. They're going to have the resume they're going to blow doors, but then they're going to choke to Ohio State on the road. Wait, hold on, hold on. Do, do you you have Alabama in your SEC championship game? Yeah, losing. It, and you have them losing that, that one game. You have them beating Texas A&M. Alabama is going to lose two games. Oh. I think Alabama, and I'm going to call this shot, and you're going to call it a homer shot. But Alabama, I call, yes, I think they lost to Texas A&M on the road last year. Alabama did. They get Arkansas on the road this year. I think Arkansas, because they they beat uh, they beat Texas and Texas A&M last year uh, before they kind of came back down to earth. I think that they're going to beat Alabama. So Alabama will have two losses after the loss to Georgia in the conference championship. So they're not even in my top six. Gotcha. I have Oklahoma at 12 and one at five. I just, they just don't have the schedule for me. They'll beat, they'll beat, uh, they'll beat Baylor uh, twice. I think, Uh, I think they'll lose to Oklahoma state in Bedlam, but I think they'll beat end up beating Baylor twice. I, but I just don't think that's going to be enough. Uh, beating one team twice is not going to be enough. And then Utah at six, they're going to split with Oregon, but they'll win the important one in the Pac-12 title game. But they're going to they'll, – they'll beat USC, I think, but they'll lose the one to Oregon and get revenge. And then that's, that's, uh, that's all I really see for them resume-wise right now, unless somebody else kind of comes out of left field to kind of boost their resume. So uh, that's where I'm standing right now. I so I basically have two SEC and two Big Ten teams, which would be just very stupid, but I could definitely see it. Uh, so let's circle back to you, Zach. You got uh, we got what uh, Bama and Texas A and M in what would probably be the Peach Bowl matchup, and then Ohio State and Utah in the Fiesta Bowl matchup. So who you got in those two? Uh, it's about as chalk as it gets. Alabama, Ohio State, pretty comfortably. Okay. What about you, Mike? You've got Ohio State versus Texas A&M, and then Bama versus Notre Dame. You you rolling with chalk too? Shockingly, yes, I am also rolling with chalk. Ohio State versus Bama. Gotcha. All right. I have chalk as well in mine, Georgia over Michigan in the Peach Bowl, and then Ohio State over Texas A&M in the Fiesta Bowl. So setting up, uh, looks like the both of you have Ohio State versus Bama in your championship games. 
although the seeding would be a little bit different, one, two, or two, one. And then I have Ohio State versus Georgia in mine. Uh, Mike, did you just say who your national championship was, or did I hear you wrong? I did not. All right. Zach, go ahead and lead us off. Who is your 2022 national champion? You know, it's fun. I think we're going to get three different national champions now because um, Alabama's defense is just going to be too much for Ohio State, and they're going to win the championship. Okay. Mike? In 2020, Bama had Mac Jones, arguably the best QB in the country, Najee Harris, the best running back in the country, and Devontae Smith, the best receiver in the country. <clears throat> Who has a case for all of that in 2022? Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, Trevion Henderson, Jackson Smith, Jigba. Three-headed monster on offense wins titles. Ohio State's going to win the national title this year, and they're going to run the table doing it. Okay, so you both have your number one seeds winning it all in Bama and Ohio State, respectively. This is uh, where I ruined Zach's thought of uh, no. three different teams. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think Georgia has what it takes to slow down that Ohio State offense. That Ohio yeah, State offense. Georgia sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but can't I can't do Georgia back-to-back national titles. I, I just don't think they have quite enough to do that. So I am going to go Ohio State over Georgia in my national championship. Sadly, that means me and Mike have the same one. But it is what it is. So as we wind down here, we've been going at this for quite a long time now. We'll wrap up with our thoughts on the Heisman and maybe a bold prediction or two for the season. Uh, I think for the Heisman, obviously Bryce Young is back at Bama, going to be looking to become just the second player ever to win back-to-back Heismans that being Archie Griffin, who did that for Ohio State back in 74-75. Obviously, Ohio State is going to have some players in the mix, C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, Najiba, and Travion Henderson. Is there anyone else? I know that, Mike, your, your bold prediction is for Will Anderson, the Bama linebacker, to win the Heisman, but is there anyone else that we, we want to kind of throw in the mix for the Heisman? Before we make some bold predictions, um, Trevion Henderson, uh, I'd, I'd like to throw him in there. I mean, I could see him rushing for two thousand yards at Ohio State. He's he's that good. He he is an exceptionally talented running back. And you know, if something were to happen to Stroud, they'd have to go to a run-oriented offense. But Stroud could just take the year off and and just hand the ball off to Henderson and they could still probably win 10 games. He's that good. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule him out. And the other one would be Caleb Williams at USC because he's probably going to have just as many, if not more weapons that he had at Oklahoma. And I don't know. I, I, I really like that kid's upside. Okay. Zach, I know we, we've been kind of duly high on, uh, uh what's his face uh Devin Leary Devin Leary yeah that's the uh, only one I was gonna add is is him yeah NC State runs the table and he's the charge behind it you know mm-hmm. quarterbacks win Heisman's got it all right now I know you each have kind of given a bold prediction already 
you want to repeat it, feel free or add to it. So Zach, bold predictions. Yeah, uh, you know, bold prediction was Brock Bowers going to win the the Heisman. Uh, like Mike said, he's he's probably the greatest tight end to come out of college football in a long time, and uh, he's going to pr- show it this year. Okay, Mike. Um. Well, I mean, I'll repeat mine, and I'll give the other the other big bold prediction that I had. First is Will Anderson's going to win it. I think he's the best defensive player we've seen in a long time. He'll be the first defender since Charles Woodson to win the Heisman. It'll be, I, I think that's three in a row for Bama now if he does that. Because um, I think Bryce won it last year and Devonta the year before. Yeah. The other bold prediction with college football on the cusp of its return, there's only one thing to say, and that's uh, fuck Duke. Yes, sir. That powerhouse Duke. Fuck them. Uh, had to make sure I got it in early, Ryan. I'm sorry. All right. My bold prediction for 2022 <laughs> is that CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jadiba will finish one and two for the Heisman. This has been Fixing the Talk Sports. I was your host, Ryan Brown, and with Zach Lacey and Mike Ayula. We will see Fuck you next you. time.